Welcome to Living Word Bible Church, a lovely place for families where we have a passion to sing great songs to Jesus and where sound Bible teaching is central in home groups and in preaching at Sunday services. Living Word Bible Church, teaching the Bible verse by verse. Good morning and welcome to Living Word Bible Church. A special welcome to those of you joining us via live stream. My source material today comes exclusively from Daniel Ang. He is an experimental physicist with his doctorate from Harvard. So with that, let's begin. Resurrection Sunday. It's the reason for it all, right? As Christians, we believe in a personal God who loves us, and desires to have a relationship with us. We believe that he revealed himself most supremely through the person and works of Jesus Christ, who was born over 2,000 years ago, carried out a ministry in Judea where he claimed to be the Son of God, was crucified, and then was resurrected from the dead after two nights in a tomb. We believe that these things actually happened not metaphorically or subjectively, but as objectively and literally as any other event we thought that has happened in ancient history. But how can we know that the resurrection is true? Skeptics often wonder how Christians can believe in such a grandiose, incredible, and apparently unscientific claim. How can we believe the truth of a 2,000-year-old religion, and how can we believe in having a personal relationship with a spiritual being? The bodily resurrection of Jesus is truly the litmus test for the truthfulness of Christianity. If Jesus genuinely died and rose again, then it makes it extremely likely that he is who he claimed to be, right? It's foundational to the Christian faith. If it didn't happen, then Christianity is a false religion. Any rational person would have no reason to believe that it's true. Clearly, the resurrection of Jesus is unique, even within the context of Jesus' many other miracles. So, from the days of the early church, it was central to their gospel message. They preached that Christ died for our sins, that he was buried, that he rose again, and that he appeared to many of his disciples. On the other hand, if Jesus had died and stayed dead like any other human being, as Paul says in 1 Corinthians 15, 19, Christians are to be pitied more than all men because our faith would be based on a lie. So we're going to talk about three key facts that we have for evidence of the resurrection. When scientists are asked to believe in something, they ask questions about evidence, and that's what we should be doing too as believers. And while we certainly have evidence for the resurrection, it can be summarized with three historical claims. So number one, Jesus was crucified and died. Number two, his body was buried in a tomb that was found empty a few days later. And then number three, his disciples experienced encounters with who they believed to be this newly resurrected body. So all together, these three claims that are backed by historical evidence and scholarly consensus, they constitute a very compelling case for the resurrection. So the first claim that Jesus 
was crucified and died, this is the least controversial. Almost no historian disputes that Jesus lived in the first century AD, that he carried out a ministry for a few years, and that he was crucified to death by the Romans. Even a skeptical scholar such as Bart Ehrman, who, as we, we've talked about Bart quite a bit, he argues vigorously for the historical veracity of these basic facts. And this is based on both Christian and non-Christian sources. The second claim is Jesus's burial and then the empty tomb. Skeptical scholars such as Bart Ehrman dispute this, and they argue that it's more likely that Jesus's body was simply left to rot for a few days, and then he was buried in a common pit with criminals. <laughs> Bart Ehrman has also suggested a twin theory. That is that Jesus had an identical twin that was killed in his place. And I'm not, I'm not kidding about that. The first time I heard that, I was like, okay, we're done here. <laughs> Nothing else to say. However, Ehrman's views, particularly regarding this twin theory, they don't represent a widespread consensus. More comprehensive examinations of Roman crucifixion and Jewish burial practices by specialist scholars, because there are people who dedicate their whole lives to studying these things. They have demonstrated that the gospel account of Jesus' burial in the tomb by Joseph of Arimathea is historically credible, and that's very important. Similarly, there are strong arguments to support the claim that the tomb was found empty a few days later. A commonly cited reason is that the gospel accounts are rendered more credible by their agreement that women, I know Montez just talked about this, were the first witnesses to the empty tomb. Again, a very significant point. More recently, John Granger Cook, who is a professor of religion at LaGrange College in Georgia, he has argued that based on linguistic, historical, and cultural reasons, it's unlikely that Paul mentions a burial and a resurrection in 1 Corinthians 15, verses 3 to 7, without first presupposing an empty tomb. The third claim is that in the weeks after his death, his disciples have claimed to encounter the risen Jesus. Now, the majority of scholars in the field concur that these visual experiences did occur. They weren't just mere visual apparitions. The accounts of Jesus's post-resurrection appearances were replete with tactile details. Remember, Jesus said, look, see, touch, hear. Additionally, only a limited number of Jesus's disciples claimed to have witnessed the risen Jesus. And we also see that in the ancient creed of 1 Corinthians 15, verses 3 to 7. So these post-resurrection appearances of Jesus, they're distinct. They're very distinct from any other recorded incidences of mass psychological hysteria that we frequently see encountered in other religious contexts. Does that make sense? Okay. So consequently, we have good historical reasons to believe the following claims. Again, going back to number one, Jesus was crucified and died on the cross. This is near certain. Number two... Jesus was buried in a tomb, which was found empty a few days later. This is highly probable. And then number three, over the few weeks after, and then in multiple instances, several of Jesus' disciples encountered a person that they believed to be the risen Jesus. And again, this is near certain. So we have near certain he was crucified and died, 
it's highly probable that he's buried in a tomb that was found empty a few days later, and then near certain that he appeared multiple times over several weeks to his disciples. What theory can best explain these three facts? Skeptics have proposed a wide array of non-supernatural explanations. For example, uh, people say that it's possible that Jesus' disciples stole the body. Have you ever heard that before? His body was stolen. Or the disciples were experiencing a mass group hallucination. Or they just went to the wrong tomb, found some other random dead person, and took that. Or there's the theory that Jesus survived his crucifixion somehow. Also, there's the twin theory, that he just spent his whole life with a twin who was then killed. A combination of all of these alternative theories could coincidentally be true at the same time, which would then result in the improbable. So it's improbable. It's not, it's not very probable, but it's not impossible illusion that he was actually resurrected. So that is a possibility. But when you remove the requirement that a non-supernatural explanation must be true, it's pretty clear that the theory that Jesus rose from the dead literally is a much more plausible explanation than any of the other ones. And you can't dismiss this as a God of the gaps explanation either. Now, the God of the gaps is a theological perspective in which gaps in scientific knowledge are taken to be evidence or proof of God's existence. So people who say that the earth is flat, they feel like, oh, well, we can't know for sure. Oh, there must be a God. I don't believe the earth is flat, by the way. Also, the resurrection hypothesis is limited and straightforward. It simply says that somehow Jesus experienced a resurrection which restored his body completely so that afterwards he was able to be seen, heard, and touched by his disciples on several occasions. Now, some people might have independent reasons for assuming that supernatural explanations are improbable. More specifically, a scientist might feel specially compelled to disbelieve the claim of supernatural occurrences. After all, one of the narratives of scientific progress is that the things which we thought previously to be supernatural before, they turned out to just have really mundane scientific explanations. So isn't it more judicious for careful scientists to just remain agnostic and assume that a better non-supernatural explanation can someday be found? So that's what often a lot of people do with the resurrection. They're not going to presuppose a supernatural explanation and they're just holding out or believing in non-supernatural explanations. With these objections in mind, there is potential wiggle room for some rational skepticism. I'm not going to stand up here and say that Christianity is a slam dunk because it's not. There's no such thing as a slam dunk. We're not going to have absolute certainty for anything. Again, that's okay. So while there is this wiggle room, we cannot overstate it because you'll find that that's often what people do. First, science cannot disprove the resurrection, okay? Because we no longer have empirical access to the body of Jesus, or to any other relevant physical evidence from that time, for that matter. Secondly, the resurrection is a one-time phenomenon 
that does not conform to the regularity and repeatable pattern of most events studied by science. Remember doing science experiments in school? You have your hypothesis, you have a control, you have all these different factors and you repeat and repeat and repeat and come to the conclusion. The resurrection is not like that. It was a one-time phenomenon. Science is agnostic about such events though. So if someone wants to remain skeptical, they cannot say that the science compels them to do so. So if you encounter someone who says, oh, well, the science, but the science, Charlie and I say that a lot, oh, it's science, math and science. If you meet someone who says, oh, well, I don't believe in the resurrection because of the science, guess what? The science is not arguing for that. And so be sure to call them out on that. So we have that historical evidence. Now we're gonna talk about the personal evidence. We just talked about the strong evidence that the resurrection happened. But again, it's not definitive. There are those alternate explanations. So I can understand why someone might see all of this and still walk away in unbelief. I really can see that. In my opinion though, historical evidence, it gives us a rational foundation to trust in Jesus but it's not enough. Okay, if you don't hear anything else that I've said today, listen to this. The Gospels themselves were not originally written for the purpose of proving skeptics wrong. Okay, I'm gonna say that again. The Gospels themselves were not originally written to prove skeptics wrong. This is super important. Rather, they were written so that we might have that we may believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, and that by believing, we may have life in his name. John 20, verse 31. If Jesus is real, which we know that he is, he calls us to eternal life, not to rational insight. My own faith in Jesus works like this. It's informed by the evidence, of course, but it's so much more than that. After examining all the evidence, at some point, you have to choose to suspend any remaining doubts and act as if it was all real. A cynical skeptic might comment, oh, well, you're simply imagining things. But to me, Jesus's call is unrelenting and the historical evidence gives me further rational reasons not to ignore it. And Jesus doesn't want us to know him in the same way we can know cold, dispassionate facts about science, like about molecules or electrons. That's not what he came to do. Instead, he wants us to know him as a living, personal God, a loving God. He challenges us to stop treating him like a philosophical proposition and surrender all to him, the God-man who showed through his resurrection that he has achieved victory over death. He gives us reason to hope that one day, all of us too will be resurrected in a moment in the twinkling of an eye at the last trumpet, 1 Corinthians 15, 52. So I choose to believe. And in doing so, I join in the confession of millions of Christians throughout time and space who also chose to follow Christ and let him change their hearts, minds, and way of life. The more I choose to surrender to him, the more I grow in my relationship and trust in him.
And my faith gives my life a purpose and a meaning and an ultimate foundation. It's a foundation that I hope that every person listening to these words will share at some point. May we, so may we rejoice in the resurrection of Jesus, not just today, but every day, because it gives us the only hope that does not disappoint. Living Word Bible Church, teaching the Bible verse by verse.